Welcome on in, people. It is the second edition of, well, we can't use that title, so we're not going to use that. We still need a title. That was the best one. For Mr. Monson and myself. We still need it, but I guess we've been rebuked. We're the podcast with no name? I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. (laughs) Is that song about heroin or not? I have no idea. I'm not a drug user. <laughs> I think America, they claimed it wasn't. But I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. I have actually never contemplated what that song was about. That surprises me because you contemplate a lot of songs. Correct. But What I, song do you contemplate the most? It's got to be... Amazing Chasing. Grace. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How great that well, was. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very <laughs> contemplative song, right? Uh, let's see. Uh, what hold- song have you dissected the most? Because song have I dissected? Because I know the most? you know all the lyrics. We go to concerts, and you're over there singing your heart out. You know every word. Uh, well, I I tend to. And my wife yells at me for this. I tend to gravitate towards the. Negative songs, the sad songs, <laughs> the breakup songs. You screwed me over. Gosh, that's shocking to me, actually. Alanis Morissette has a song that says, You Ought to Know. It's called You Ought to Know. And it's about how she got spurred. And for the rest of her life, she wants that man to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> Those types of songs. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. You I like do. that vibe, do you? Yeah. Fullywood Max got an old tune called Silver Springs. I'll follow you down to the sound of my voice will haunt you. Those are my kind of tunes. <laughs> so you're more a Lennon guy than a McCartney guy then. Because remember that song I did, uh, Everything is Getting Better, Better All the Time. And, and uh, Paul McCartney talked about that. Couldn't said, relate to it. Yeah, John Lennon added in, couldn't get much worse, yeah, or something like that. And he said that lyric never occurred to me. If it's I had to you, choose, you're John Lennon. If I had to choose one of the two men that you spoke, I would gravitate towards John. Yes, yeah, I think you more would. of the cynical view on life. <laughs> yes, trust no one. Eventually, they'll screw you over. Don't get close to anybody because it's too painful. Yeah, those are the types of things that that really get me going. Aim low, don't try, complain a lot. Uh, No, aim very, very high because nobody thinks you can get there. And then when you get there, you let them know that you got there. (laughs) Speaking of aiming high, we got some football teams in the state that are doing that. I was thinking, we do, before we get to that, I was thinking, how how about in contention as a name? Do you like that? In contention? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. The podcast by Gordon and myself, we'll call it in contention. Yeah. Because we're in contention, and we're going to have contention. (laughs) We're going to celebrate contention. But we remain in contention. We're never out of contention. We've been in contention for a long time now. Contention is good. Well, yeah, I'm talking about, you know, for playoff teams, the Jazz are in contention. Sure. For the uh, Western Conference Finals, maybe even more. The Utes, in contention for the Rose Bowl, man. Aggies won 11-2 last year. What are they in contention for? And then the Cougars. They went seven and six, and now expectations are higher. So what are they in contention for? So I thought that we could use a play on in contention. And my thought being that we would go exceed or overachieve, underachieve. You can't meet expectations. That's too simple. That's a wash. That's a push. In Vegas terms, nobody wins. I want to divide the audience. It's what I do. Okay, yeah. Well, if you're going to do overachieve, underachieve, That's it. yeah. it's easier for the Utes to underachieve than the other two teams in state because the expectation is so high to begin with. So it's a with sliding that. scale. Relative to each program, yes. Because if the Utes don't win, if they don't win the South, that would be, in most people's minds, complete underachieving. I mean, they did that last year, and they're supposed to be better this year than they were before. The only way that would not be underachieving is if they went 8-1 and one and another team went 9-0 and oh and administered that loss to you. So I guess it doesn't matter who lost to whom, but they would have beaten you most likely if it's a South team. Well, they would have had to. 
and so if you went eight and one and the winner of the South went nine and zero, then they wouldn't have underachieved. Okay. But the chances of that happening are very, very slim. I can't think of a team in the South that has that kind of uh, capability to go 9-0. and Other than the Utes, I think they they Correct. could do it. Although even that is difficult. And PK, yes. you brought this up a thousand times, that no matter how good a team is when they play in the Pac-12, for whatever reason, it's not saying the Pac-12 is better than the SEC, of course, no or the Big Ten, or any of the other uh, power conferences, for whatever reason, the way this conference is structured, you're going to stub your toe along the way somewhere, maybe Correct. once, maybe twice. Correct. Even if you're really good. Three times a lady. What is that? Why is that? Because I think that they have enough skill position players in this conference that on any given, those guys can get hot. You take a look at Colorado. It has a potential NFL quarterback and a almost guaranteed NFL receiver. Well, they're not going to win many games. But I also don't think they're going to go 0 and 9. So, if and it, particularly in football, I think the two sports where you can play very very well and still lose because of circumstances are soccer and football. And you get a couple of turnovers, you get a defensive score, you get a special teams block, you get a special team score, short field. And even though you played that you outplayed them statistically in total yards and all that stuff, you could still lose the game. So there's that going on. And the conference has skill players. When the Utes first got into the conference, I forget what year, Sean Mannion and Brandon Cooks for Oregon State came into Rice Eccles. They weren't necessarily a good team, but both of those players that I just mentioned play in the NFL. So they got hot. Mannion put the ball right on the money. The Utes had great coverage, but he put the ball right on money to an NFL receiver. And they got beat. Utah might have been a better team, but they still got beat. We saw it a few years back when Stanford came into Rice-Eccles and was ranked in the top five. And that was during the Utes' second five and seven season, I believe it was. And the Utes beat them. That doesn't happen in those other conferences. Rarely does it ever happen, particularly in the SEC. The SEC overall is better, but the teams at the bottom aren't as good. So the teams at the bottom of the Pac-12 can jump up and beat you on a given Saturday. So that's why it's so very difficult to go through 9-0. and zero. I'm not picking any team, no matter what team it is, what division it is. I never pick them to go 9-0. and oh. The Utes are the overwhelming favorite, as we saw in the Pac-12 poll, with 33 of the 35 votes to win the South. But there's no way I pick them to go 9-0. and zero. Hmm. That initiation came early for the Utes. Remember in the very first year they were in the conference, uh, they all they had to do was beat Colorado. Correct. At Rice Eccles. Yes. They had that game, and they were going to win the freaking division, and they lose to a bad, well, a so-called bad Colorado was, team. They were a bad team. And the reason was exactly what you just said. Yeah. They had some skill athletes that, uh, that beat the Utes that right. day. Right, right. Not so, supposed to, but they did. That's what you see in this conference. So I would never – slap the burden of undefeated upon anybody. But I think that's the only way Utah could not be considered an underachieving if they don't win the South, if they go 8-1 and one and somebody goes 9-0. and zero. But that is not in – that's only in theory. That will not be in any form of practicality. But because of the Utes and the expectations so ridiculously high, I see if I'm forced to choose, and that's the premise of this podcast, in contention – Overachieve, underachieve. I'm going underachieve this season. Because the expectations have set the bar so high. It's interesting because the, some people have said, well, uh, if they get to the championship game, then, uh, you know, with Washington or Oregon on the other side, then they really probably shouldn't be favored to do that. But I think to myself, wait a minute, they won the South last year. You and I were both at the championship game covering it. And they lost that game. Now, if they do the same thing this year with the expectations such as they are, that's kind of underachieving, isn't it? Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. So that's a high standard for this team, but they've kind of earned it. And that's what happens when you're, when you're good like that. Then, then it is easier to underachieve because the standard is set so high. Right. I agree with that. And when you compare that to the expectations of the other teams in state, I mean, Utah State, for instance, yeah, they got Jordan Love back. They only had, what, two guys back on offense? That were listed as full-time starters. 
So, so I, I wonder. But they have that, other guys who've played. Is that offensive line going to hold up for Jordan Love? Because a quarterback, no matter how good you are, if you don't have help, you could be in trouble. I, I don't. They were picked to finish second in their division in the Mountain West, behind Boise. I, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I would be. I'm not quite sure what to think of that. I think there is an opportunity for them to overachieve. Utah State. Yeah, and uh, be, because because people don't really. They look at the returning players and they go, okay, other than Jordan Love, well, they have a couple of defenders, uh, a couple of great uh They've got two players. linebackers and a great safety. Yeah. yeah. That's where the strength of their defense. They've got other players, but those three stand out. And Gary Anderson coming back, uh, take it over for Matt Wells again, back and forth. So we'll see what happens, whether he can motivate that group and get them where they need to be. Well, the history of that isn't good. Of guys coming for a second tour of duty? How so? There's a number, and I just saw it somewhere. There's a number of coaches. They cited them. Uh, John Robinson, uh, uh, Snyder at Kansas State. Going back the second time, and they weren't as good in the first time. And let's call it what it is for Utah State. When Gary Anderson was there, he had a cakewalk. All he had to do was get respectable. The wax sucked yeah. in football. And all he had to do was beat Louisiana Tech and San Jose because San Jose had a quarterback, Fails, who was good. The other teams in the conference were awful in the whack. And he was able to propel a 7-6 and six, and then the next year 11-2. and two. Now, he did a great job building it because Utah State was awful. But the competition that he had to beat – was not very good. Now, he did it, and he parlayed that in the Wisconsin-Oregon State and now back. This time around in the Mountain West, the Mountain West version that is existing today is night and day better than the conference that he played in his last year when he got the 11-2 and season. So the task this year will be substantially more difficult. Now, the program is in a substantially better place than it was when Gary was there. Better facilities. Off better, the charts. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's substantially all better. better. Yeah. But the competition is substantially better. You know, I, I, Gary Anderson, he's a, he's a good coach, but he had his troubles uh, up at Oregon State, for instance, and nobody has really come out publicly to discuss too much about what took place there, but there were some serious problems there. And I wonder – whether Gary Anderson would have gotten a head coaching job anywhere other than Utah State. As quickly as he did, yeah. yeah, totally. And that was a divisive hire because there was a lot of alumni who remembered the good times and boosters and they wanted him back where the administration was looking forward, not back. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, the boosters won out, you could say. And so Gary is back. But, yeah, I don't know that he gets a job uh, a year later after quitting in midseason. Mm -hmm. And that was – almost unheard of in that situation when you knew the product wasn't going to be good anyway it was going to take a monumental effort to rebuild that thing at Oregon State and now Smith the old quarterback for Oregon State is finding that out himself that the, they have such a long way to go to me they're de definitively the 12th team in this 12 team conference the way they built what they have at Utah State it, they they've generally even when they were bad they had a couple of good players they just didn't have enough of them Correct. No, think about back in uh, back when uh, Gary Anderson was there the first time. Bobby Wagner, highest paid inside linebacker in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and uh, Robert Turbin was on that. They had team. good running backs. Yeah, they had some. They had some guys that now they have more of them, and you have to give them credit for that. But if Gary Anderson is carrying this idea that uh, okay, it's going to be like old times, namely eleven and two. And there are people involved in that, alums and others, boosters, who believe that's going to happen. Maybe there is potential for underachievement there. So give me a record for Utah and then give me a record for Utah State. Now give me a record for Utah and then I'll, I'll say is that underachieve or overachieve? Okay. For Utah, I, I'll go with 10 wins. 10 wins. I don't see there's any way they get 10 wins. Really? What are you putting it at? Nine and three, underachieving. Hmm. So if they get 10, do they meet the standard? I'm, we're not going meet. That's a push. We're not pushing. This show doesn't put. Is, is it over? We don't, is it we don't push on this podcast. 
based we, on what you we're just on said. Once, we're on this side of the fence or that side of the fence. <laughs> okay, but based on I go six to ten with a pusher. <laughs> you're not a pusher. <laughs> okay, we're so, not pushing on this okay, podcast. So you're saying you get nine wins. I say they get ten. So I'm over and you're under. Well, that's up to your opinion whether you think ten is over. Well, there is no meat. So right, yeah. So okay, so you think you may think that you may think they're eleven and one. What's though. Vegas say? Nine, nine wins for the Utes. So ten would be overachieving. I don't know that they. I think they they tend to go with the halves because they don't want pushes either. So they would go nine five. Yeah. So all right. Uh, so these, I'm saying ten wins for the Utes. Ten wins, ten wins, and that is overachieving. That's going to be a heck of a standard to go get. 10 wins in the regular season, which they've never done. Mm. Yeah. As a member of the conference. I think that defense is really – I don't know what's going on at linebacker. Manny Bowen doing his business, going to do his business, whatever that was all about. He had an offer he can't refuse. He had to go into business. Answer me something. If a guy's got to go to business right now, why don't most businesses allow a guy, if he's about to embark on a, a college football season, wouldn't they let him go for four months? So are you saying that there's something else there beyond? Beats me. Well, it doesn't beat me. There is something else beyond. There's no question there's something else beyond. What's your best guess? Yeah, what's my best guess? I mean, I think there was some there were issues there. Do you think he what didn't think he was going to have the impact he wanted to have? The opportunity he wanted? Uh, maybe not uh his expectations and their expectations and how to go about achieving them aren't the same, weren't the same. What did he want that he wasn't getting? You'd have to ask him, I don't know. What's your guess? Uh, well, I mean, I don't want to get loose with uh assumptions and play them off as facts but because <laughs> well, we've established the, the fact that this isn't a fact yeah because at this point it doesn't matter he's gone so who cares really what difference does it make but see you have to i can say oh i've heard some stuff that he wanted this he wanted that he wanted to do it his way he didn't hustle enough so he, they got on him a little bit but the fact is he has a track record he was suspended from two bowl games he was suspended oh. twice at penn state so we're not dealing with someone who's abided by whatever program's rules they were to a t just by definition having been suspended twice from penn state and coming out to utah that leads red flags to go up and now this thing so if you put it in perspective you can say okay yeah i understand that there were some issues and i don't take very rarely do i take anything any coach or anybody ever says at face value because they're always in spin mode right because you're always trying to recruit you're always putting your best foot forward you just mentioned the gary anderson story that hasn't been spoken publicly i mean that was under suspicious uh situations to to leave like that and leave all that money out on the table so a lot i've, I've often said newspapers don't print the truth they print what they're told sometimes it is the truth but a lot of times it's spin so and I, and by newspapers now you have to go into the internet and all the writers that are available on dot coms and they all printed the same thing broadcasters broadcast the same thing so that's because the standard for what is truth uh despite what the reputation is they need evidence before they can proclaim something and if you hear stuff but you don't know it then it's hard to to report it as a fact now on the internet a lot of times guys We'll take even more liberty and just go with whatever they Right, hear. I agree with that. But you also, whatever they say, it gets reported. Right, that's and definitely that isn't true. necessarily the truth. Uh, it, or many, it's only uh, a partial. Yeah. How many times truth. after uh, National Letter of Intent Day do you hear a coach say, yeah, we got the guys we wanted? When you're sitting there going, I know for a fact that they missed out on five guys that they had their hearts yeah. set on. Yeah. So never believe, rarely believe what a coach says, because even they say it with kind of a, a wink, like uh, Kyle Whittingham was probably doing this when he was talking about Manny Bowen uh, leaving for a business opportunity. It was kind of like, okay, I'm saying this, but I want everybody to know that my Pinocchio nose is about <laughs> to blow through that window over there. Well, yeah, it, we had it last year with the quarterback, the kid from Southern California who's now in Indiana. That story was never told. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
I heard a whole bunch of stuff. And how often do you hear a, a, a fan that's angry with a certain report? They say, well, a coach said this. Right. And that's, that's, that means uh, well, yeah, very little these They're days. supposed to say it, and so they run with it, and it becomes assumed truth, but it's not. But the fact is, it doesn't matter. Here's a kid who had uh, some troubled past, and he doesn't play a game. I know last year – you took a ton of heat because you were out front on the Troy Taylor thing as far as did he leave of his own? Was he told to leave? What was that story? And you ran with some stuff, and, and we talked about it extensively. People went after you hard. And I've decided that you know, I'm not even going to go down that road because you're going to believe what you want to believe. I give you credit for still sticking your neck out because it doesn't seem like it's worth it to me anymore. Why tell people truth that they don't want to hear? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they're not going PK, to accept it. you're pretty it. good at that. They're not going to accept it. Yeah. So you put it out there and then back it up. I put it out there and say, here it is. Here's what I know. You don't want to believe it? Fine with me. I knew Detmer was out. I found out about it. I go on Twitter. Ty Demmer got fired at BYU. All these BYU fans. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Kalani told him, it's either him or me. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and, but these fans, Ty Demmer's a hero to them. Yeah. So they don't want to believe that their biggest hero, the nicest dude you'll ever be around, failed. So he wasn't fired. And I can recall back on Twitter, I got tons of responses. They don't want to hear it. And I'm not going to convince them. So we're just going to butt heads. You don't want to hear the truth. You don't want to believe the truth. That's your call. He didn't, No, he didn't get fired. He was going to be reassigned and blah, blah, blah. No, he wasn't. I had known for weeks that's what it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, but they so, don't want to hear it. So yeah. why, why do you? I give you credit. You still stand up. And fight the good fight. I've given up. <laughs> you still do it, PK. But you but when they come at you, you go back at them. I've stopped to a large degree publicly. I heard your show after you wrote the Troy Taylor stuff. I heard it. it was multiple. We talked about it. You defended it. So you were in the position of defending truth. I'm not any longer going to defend truth. I'm gonna put it out there, and if you don't want to believe it. That's fine with me. You take it a step further. And I'm, this is a compliment. This, I'm not condemning you whatsoever. I'm complimenting you by saying you put out the truth, get blowback, and then defend it. I've quit. I've no moss. Well, I've thrown PK, in the towel. You know your stuff. Uh, that's, uh, believe me, anybody out there who questions this, we don't make this crap up. Right. We, we just don't come up with it and say, hey, one day I'm just going to report this just to see what the reaction <laughs> is. There are people who are in the know who tell us this yeah. stuff. And it doesn't always turn out the way that we talk about it. But believe me, there is truth behind the story. We don't just make this stuff up. No. And you have your sources. I have mine. You don't last whatever. 30 plus years, 60 years combined in this business by just throwing crap against the wall. But they want to discredit the source discredit me all you want. I'm not going back at you. I, I put the one time me and Jake Scott were at the BYU-Utah football game at Rice-Eccles, and when, what do they call him, suspenders boy? Yeah. Okay, Jake and I were literally, you know the story, We were, there's film that came out on this. We're literally eyewitness to it. We're five feet away. I see the look. I can still see the look on Pronko's eye, his left eye. As he turned to go, he took one step at Suspenders Boy, and he melted like the Wicked Witch of the West. We, Jake and I witnessed the whole episode. We were happened to be standing right there. So I go on Twitter right afterward and explain it. And I got a bunch of people, oh, you make up bleep. Yeah. You just made that up. Well, they put it out there, and then there was a bunch of video of it later and I didn't think that I should have been filming it, but I didn't think so because I didn't think it was going to happen. I didn't think some idiot was going to confront the coach like that. And I didn't think Bronco, Bronco would have just mauled the guy <laughs> if, if the police hadn't been there and uh, Suspenders Boy totally just backed away. But on something like that, 
I got tons of blowback. I got a bunch of Twitter responses. I get back up to the press box and I see all this. Oh, you just made that up. Well, then the video comes out and then I go back later. Well, they deleted the tweets because it was obvious I didn't make it up. Right. I'm not going to make up something like that. Right. But that's the point. People, if you're a Ute fan, you don't want to believe that. Mm. Some of them, some of yeah. them, not all of them, but some of them, they don't want to believe the truth. So the truth being what it is, people don't want to accept it. So they fight against it. I wonder if Bronco has, uh, has, uh, that's the deal with uh, suspender boy back in Virginia. My guess would be no. That's 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 one of the <laughs> Who knows? that's one of the great eye openers for me in moving to Utah, having not lived in Utah until I'd moved here, is that I had no idea about the BYU rivalry with Utah. I had no clue it was that intense. Just had never experienced it before. I had covered Arizona, Arizona State. The two LA schools had covered them because I worked down there, so I was familiar with those rivalries. Had no idea the intensity of this rivalry. It's a rivalry that I have come to appreciate. I don't have any stake in it, but just as a fan of the rivalry, I enjoy the passion and the competition and the sometimes even over the top. I had no clue, but yet that's what that's what it is. And obviously now after 25 years, I know full well the nature of this rivalry, but I had no idea until I got here. It's intense, that's for sure. And I think most of the fans are into it big time. And you got your 10% on each side that are absolute maniacs. And that's the way it is, and that adds fuel and, and to I, it. So. And I think they should be deported. <laughs> okay, President. Go, go to Idaho. <laughs> Go to Colorado, go to Nevada. Well, go you know, Arizona, along those lines, PK, if you hadn't had it on on recorded, what Austin Colley said to you, yeah. people wouldn't have believed that. There you go. But because right. you had it recorded, they had to listen to it, and magic happens. Yeah. You know? Otherwise, they would have said you're making that up. Some right. people would have anyway. Right. I think most fans get it, but there certainly are those vocal fans who are a little uh, blind to uh, what's really going on. Uh, same thing with uh, the the uh, Max Hall thing. You know, I hate yeah. him. Uh, you know, uh, so these things uh, uh, just believe us. We don't make this stuff up. Back to Manny Bowen. The reason I brought that up is because Utah's defense is going to be really, really good. And I, you know, it seems to me like that. <clears throat> excuse me, that defensive front does the hard work, and then the linebackers clean things up in that defense. And they have sure. support in the back end of the defense. I think that defense may end up being one of the best defenses in the history of Utah football. And that's saying uh, something. It has the potential for sure, yeah, absolutely. If they find, if Devin Lloyd steps in and Francis Bernard can find himself healthy for 12 games because now they're very thin at linebacker. But we remember Bernard playing when he played full-time for BYU, ironically enough, in Rice Eccles, making one of the best plays I've ever seen in my life, going down and making in that interception after the targeting call. I mean, that guy was incredible. So he's got a ton of ability. Devin Lloyd has an NFL body right now. Speaking with him the other day, he, he told me, I said, what's your emotion? You're nervous? You're anxious? What do you say? He said, I'm giddy. <laughs> the word I use is giddy. This is my chance, man. Yeah. I got a little bit last year, and now it's going to be all right in front of me. I'm giddy. And I thought, yeah, that's a great attitude, man. This is one of the reasons that I think Utah could overachieve this year because Kyle Whittingham knows a little something about taking a team game by game by game, winning every game. Now, I understand when they went undefeated – in 2008, that was a much easier road to go. And uh, this is a difficult one, as you talked about. But I think he knows from a mental aspect how, how to get this team ready to play. And some people have said, ah, they're going to overlook BYU. They're sleeping on the Cougars. No, they're not. They're they are not. not sleeping on no, the Cougars. No, they never sleep on the Cougars. They are going to be ready, and I think they're going to be ready every single week. And it certainly helps when you have the talent. But when you have the combination of the two things – I might be wrong on this, PK, but I really think the Utes are going to be what they should be. See, that everybody knows I'm a Kyle guy. I make no bones about it. Guy's a bud. I don't hide it. I'm out front on it. Uh, I think he's a great coach. I think he runs a great program. But I don't know how he's going to be. The reason why I'm saying underachieve, because I don't know how he's going to be as the hunted. He hasn't been in this position. He certainly has not been in this position since he's been in the conference. So now when he goes down, and we were talking to SC people last week, and mm -hmm. we talked to several down there at Pac-12 Media Day, they're circling that game. Yeah. 
When's the last time anybody in this conference circled Utah as the game? Has never happened. This is an entirely different role. This guy, Kyle, is a master at overachieving. He's Mm -hmm. an overachiever to the nth degree. He's a little dude as a player, but he ends up being whack player of the year back when the whack was something, right? He's defensive player of the year. He starts all those games for BYU. He was a stud defensively. I didn't know it at the time because I wasn't paying attention to it, but I've gone back and I've spoken to people and I've looked it up, right? He did that on heart and determination. Didn't have a lot of skill. Wasn't tall. Couldn't necessarily run fast. It was all in his core. That's who this dude is. This guy relents at nothing. We were having an argument. He likes to argue with me on stupid stuff. We're arguing about who is the best front man in classic rock, right? <laughs> Who'd he say? So he goes, Robert Plant, Led Zeppelin, Good Freddie choice. Mercury no. on, in Queen. Uh, who else? He had another one. I can't. Uh, Ronnie Van Sant, Len, Leonard Skinnerd. Right? Not uh, Eddie Vedder? No, and he's that's too late for him. Okay. He's more he's earlier. So we're going back and forth. And I say to him, I say, Well, I'm going John Lennon and Paul McCartney. He says, No, no, no. I said, Why not? He said, Because neither of them were a front man. They shared it. So like you can't have Henley and Fry from the Eagles because they shared it, right? That was his Sharon's Karen, man. But he was saying front man, not front men. So it had to be front man. Wait a minute. Now he's penalizing them for having too many greats? You wouldn't do it. So I said, all right, I buy your premise, but on one exception. I said, these two were so great that they qualify as a twosome and also individually. I said, you take... The NBA. I know he's an NBA fan. You see him at jazz games. You ask, who is the best point guard in the league? Is it Westbrook? Is it Chris Paul? Is it Damian Lillard? You know, anybody you want to put in that subject, you can put it in that category if you want. I said, I'm taking LeBron James. I said, LeBron James isn't a point guard, but when it comes down to it, I want the ball in his hands. So I said, that's the same thing. Lennon and McCartney cancel each other out, but when it comes down to it, I want the mics in their hands. I don't care which one. So <laughs> so did he listen? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he looks at me and he says, well, all right, you make a good point, but you're still wrong. <laughs> you're going to dig in, man. So he gives in on nothing. Nothing. And he's a master motivator. He touches buttons that gets guys going. But how's it going to be this year? What tact are you going to – nobody believes in us? That's out the window. What so you, when everyone believes in you. Yeah. What do you? How's it going to be? The standard you got to prove them right. But he's never been in that position. He doesn't know how to draw up on that. <laughs> prove them right. Learn. <laughs> what is he going to do? They got 33 out of the 35 votes. We got to prove those two mother blah blah wrong. <laughs> is that it? I mean, come on. He's going to come up with something, man. He, yeah. Come up with something. But his thing that he's relied on and been so effective for so long is gone. It's out the window. <laughs> Took his ammo right it away. It is. It is. It's gone. What is he going to do? These he's guys sm- are the hunted. He's smart enough to figure it out. You know, in 08, when they went undefeated, they were favorites that year too, weren't they? Yeah, but the competition was way I, I less. I get it. I get it. But so the, that's but it the difference. That's the difference. Oh, man, look what he did against Alabama. Come on. Yeah. That's the classic. You were there. I was there. <laughs> he just looked at those guys. They, they, they don't think you belong on the field, guys. What are we doing here? Get on the bus. We got to go back home. And what are they? Yeah. They beat him twice because yeah. they beat him first, and then Alabama came back, and then they beat him again. All right. Let me ask you a, 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 an attendant question to this discussion. Do you think the Utes have the talent – to uh, to overachieve, or do you, I, I, do you think I, yes. the deficiency is mentally or physically? I th- 
I think they have the possibility to have the talent, but I'm not sold on their offense. Mm. I mean, they, come on. Uh, Receivers, things we've uh, seen offensive for line, years. What's, what's bugging the quarterback? Well, just the whole emphasis, protect the defense. You, mm. you just told me they're going to have the best defense potentially they've ever had. They've had great defenses. So you protected the defense back then. Well, now you got the best defense potentially that you've ever had, and I'm not arguing with you on that. I'll, I'll concede that. That, in my mind, that tells me you're going to protect the defense even more. And believe me, I've had multiple offensive coordinators who are now not deceased, but no longer offensive coordinators at Utah, and they've all said the same thing. Yeah, and Kyle is the dark overlord. Yeah. So is he going to just sit back? Hey, Andy, third and three. Run a triple reverse and have Cubby throw it to Simpkins. Let's, let's go crazy. That's what Troy Taylor said. He said Kyle didn't uh, – didn't try to influence him one way or the yeah, other. They can and say whatever they want. I can <laughs> quote you. <laughs> I can quote you stuff that was said on the headphones, headsets during games, and I won't even do it on a podcast because it's adult content. So okay. get, get out of town on that. Okay. How's that going to be, man? And all these teams, but now, they're well suited to protect the defense with Zach Moss back there. If he yeah, stays absolutely. healthy, he's a, he's a great runner. Man. And Andy Ludwig is an upgrade. Uh, on paper, but I don't know out on the field. They're going to score more points. Their passing yardage was 11th in the conference last year. They're going to be better? I don't know that. Yeah. I can't say that. Mm -hmm. If they are better, if they're fourth or fifth, they're going to the Rose Bowl. And the defensive coordinators in the league are pretty good at picking out uh, where they can – where what, what emphasis they need to? Uh, oh to bring. yeah, yeah. Big and, and if Utah can't throw the ball, they'll be in trouble. Right. They have to be able to throw. So the that's ball, why it? I have them underachieving. The, the standard is so high, and I haven't seen. I've seen a whole bunch of coordinators come and go, but I really haven't seen the offense change in terms of production. It may look different how they go about it, mm-hmm. but the production hasn't changed much. Am I going to see this year? I hope so for their sake. There's nothing more that I would rather do than be in Pasadena on January 1st. I uh, will say, though, you bring up that Alabama game. That was some pretty nice offense we saw out of the Utah in that game. And, they, yeah, they had a lot of talent. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they, they did some stuff. That was, that was, and Ludwig was the coordinator. He was. So that gives me hope. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it can't be done. Also, I have hope because I think the South is crummy. So I think they ought to roll out of bed and go 4-1. And, and that schedule for in them the in, as a whole is uh, advantageous. Favorable. 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 No question that it's favorable. So I'm going underachieving. What's your standard for Utah State? Uh, I'll go, I'll go eight wins. Oh, so is that over or under? It's probably under. I would agree with that. DJ, we had this discussion, thinks that that's going to be spot on. I'm expecting nine wins. If you don't give me nine wins this year, I don't care who you have coming back on offense. If you don't give me nine wins, that's an underachieving season. Yeah, that might be true, but think about it. I mean, Jordan Love, I have great respect for Jordan Love. I think he's the best quarterback in the state. I think he's got an NFL future. Check and check. And I know that there are scouts out there who have (laughs) – I've talked to agents. I've talked to people who have contacted me to ask me about Jordan Love. They like this kid a lot. Yes. Uh, last year, when they were when the Yaggies were playing BYU, um, uh, Jordan Love had a had a, I think the U, the the, uh, the Aggies were in the they were on the about eight yard line or so, threatening to score against the Cougars, and uh, Jordan Love dropped back, went through four progressions, hit his fourth option for a touchdown. It was one of the running backs. And I remember talking to Matt Wells about that, and he said, that's when I knew this kid absolutely got it. Now, he's got a new scenario, new offensive coordinator, new head coach this time around, but I think his talent will shine. But even though quarterback is the most important position by far in any team sport, uh, I'm not sure that they have enough to get more wins than that. I could be wrong, but that's my guess. Then that would be, if they get more wins, then I'm going underachieving. If they go nine, I'm going overachieving. Okay. so And I'm going to go overachieve because I think they're going to get nine. Okay. I'm picking them nine and three okay. right now. I could change when we get to the season, but we're still a few weeks away. That's a tough one for me because as much as I want to you know, dig in at eight wins, I could see that happening. But 
We'll see. How about the Cougars? Because and, my and, beloved Cougars, we the, finally the, get to my team. Yeah, yeah. BYU. This when you look at that schedule, and not just the marquee names on that uh, slate. Mm-hmm. but also some of the other teams uh, later in the season. I'm not talking about toward the end, but in the middle there. If BYU gets off to a slow start, if they start the season one and three, I could see at some point the thing getting pretty dire. Uh, and dire. It, would, it would be easy for – maybe dire is too strong a word, uh, like but it. would put them in a position dire enough. Where, where they could underachieve easily – uh, and the standard isn't that high for BYU seven and six last year. I don't know where we draw that line as far as underachieving. I'm just framing this discussion because it could go either way with that schedule they face, sure. and even the lesser teams. You go back to Toledo. Toledo, come on, Toledo. I mean, but that's Holy a decent Toledo. football program back there. Yeah, it, it is, but they should still be in Toledo. If the Cougars don't get eight wins, it's an underachievement. You think so? I know so. Okay, so who are the marquee teams they're going to beat? Tennessee's five and six, or five, excuse me, five back, and seven. Back there, I don't care where it is. They're still five. They're coming up okay. five and seven. Season. We saw they the Cougars s- beat Wisconsin. Sucked, yeah. Camp Randall, stunner, absolute stunner. Couldn't believe it. I was there. You were there. Yeah, I was just amazed. Um, SC's five and seven. You got them at home. Washington. You talk about rebuilding. Washington's rebuilding the entire defense, and a four-year starter at quarterback and a four-year starter at running back. You got them at home. Come on, if you can't beat Washington now, when are you ever going to beat them? So you're predicting victories there? I see no reason why they're not 2-2. Two and two. I'm not predicting a victory over B- Utah. I've made this statement. Until I see BYU actually beat Utah, I'm going with Utah. Uh, that's smart. And then if it, when, when it changes, I mean, I'm going to win forever. But when it changes, then I'll reevaluate it. But for right now, I'm going to L on the first game. But I see no reason why they don't win two of the next three games. Two of the next three are at home, and you're going back to a Tennessee team. that that That's not Peyton Manning's Tennessee team. Yeah. That's 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 an average program right now. And if Zach Wilson is healthy and his shoulder is going the way it's it should be. He said he looked good yeah. yesterday. So I'm expecting him to take a leap. I love this kid. I mean, I love his game. I the know. offensive line is going to protect him too. The offensive line is real good. It's the strength yeah. of the team right yeah. now. If you're picking the best unit out of all the units on the football team, you would go offensive line. I've been told by their own coaches they've got multiple NFL guys yeah. on that NFL that offensive line, led by sophomore center James Empey, yeah. who is really good. Uh, you were there, I think. Yeah, I know you were. We're sitting in the uh, – Boise State Stadium after the game and Western Michigan coach singles out James Empey. No one asked him about him. He brought it up. Singled out. Now, that's tough for a coach to be bringing up a, off of a center because they're on the sidelines and it's hard for them to see until they watch the film. He hadn't watched any of the film. Obviously, it's in the post game. He singles him out. Yeah. Kid is going to be a real big time player. He's committed and to he's, Utah and then his dad took the job. We know how that turned out. Uh-huh. So, They've got a great offensive line that should Christian's be able. Christensen kid is really good. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they're good. Okay, so let me real quick, a diversion here. But if you were to take quarterback and offensive line together, how would you rank those among these three schools? Well, I would go Jordan Love at quarterback. No, but I mean, you got to lump them together with their unit. Oh, oh, oh I got you. Yeah. I got you. I thought you meant I can mix and match and yeah. have an all-star team. Yeah. Oh, that's a real good question. Because that makes it much more complicated. You might go BYU if you're including that offensive line. If I include the offensive line, and I happen to know Zach Wilson's high school coaches very well. So I know a lot about the kid. I've known a lot about the kid for a while now. And, um, you know, it's not everything they said that was complimentary. Uh, We haven't seen it as much. But the word cocky is thrown around, mm-hmm. and which I don't have a problem with. You gotta have that. Cockier the better. Yeah. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. okay, I duly think noted. In the framework of that question that you asked, I think I do have to go BYU. Yeah. I wouldn't go individually. If I separate right, the two, right. but if I have to combine the two, because there's just too many question marks right now 
at either offensive line, well, both offensive lines for yeah. Utah State and Utah. Yep, exactly. At the same time, Utah has a history of reloading on the mm-hmm. offensive line and doing it very well. I didn't think the offensive line was all that good last year, yeah. particularly against Washington. It wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. They still end up with an NFL draft pick in Jackson Barton. Let's see if he has a seventh round. I think he was seventh round pick, so we'll see if he makes it. So I'm expecting the Utes can be decent on off- at offensive line, but there's too many unknowns right now where BYU doesn't have a lot of unknowns on the offensive line. I think the, the problem with the Cougars is they got a bunch of guys on offense in terms of running back and receivers. I don't want a bunch of guys. Yeah. I want studs. Playmakers. Give me some playmakers. Don't give me a bunch of guys who have the potential. Give me something. Gunnar Romney, man. You were a big-time recruit. You yeah. played at a powerhouse at Chandler. Chandler High School down there in, in the Phoenix area. Show it. it. Tons of NFL guys. They're such a powerhouse. ASU's been losing guys out of Arizona left and right. So you know what Herm Edwards did? He had an assistant coach in opening. He hired the Chandler <laughs> head coach. Smart. Yeah. Bring me the guys because it's all about recruiting. Uh, so that guy to Chandler High, they're going into this season uh, with a new coach. The coach, Iguano, is now – at uh, ASU, Conover kid who received uh, through the passes to Romney is on an LDS mission. He committed to BYU. Very good. We'll see about him. Uh, he's uh, should be finishing up his first year right now. Um, so Romney, you came in with credentials. Get yourself healthy and get out there and do some stuff. Bushman, Bushman, be consistent. Be consistent all year. You Block what, a little bit and yeah. catch a ton of balls. Uh, they better have it, and they better run the ball. You got to you, because if, even if great BYU teams have to be able to run, but you cannot be exclusively pass. You've got to run the ball a little bit. Now they got three guys in there with Katoa and these two grad transfers, and they're very high on Tyson Williams. They mm-hmm. they were very very excited when they got him. The other guy maybe more of a blocker, fullback type, but uh, Williams they they're they're hoping he can contribute. You know if they can find a way to get uh, seven, 750 out of uh, Katoa and 500 out of uh, Williams, well, then they're on to something. If they can't, I don't think their offense is going to look as bad as it looked two years ago, but given this schedule, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. The reason I bring up the quarterback-offensive line combination is I think those are the two most important parts of any football team. Now, I got in an argument with, well, an old buddy of yours, Danny White, Danny White. Uh, the legendary ASU quarterback, Dallas yes. Cowboy quarterback. Sure. I talked to him, and I said, I think the offensive – obviously it's quarterback nowadays, but I said offensive line. Second of the quarterback, offensive line is the most important part of any successful team. And he said, I might go with the defensive line. Uh, I don't know. You can make arguments any which way, but that's the reason I bring that up. That's huge for BYU if they have that kind of quality at quarterback and up front. But I agree with you completely. The playmakers, where are the playmakers? Where were they last year, PK? We didn't see them until the bowl game, and that was against Western Michigan. So we should have seen them, yeah. Yeah, I thought they under underutilized Dylan Cauley last year myself, and we saw him catch a couple of touchdown passes in the bowl game. And then Zach – kind of came into his own. And I'm expecting progression. Obviously, I'm not expecting to the level that he played against Western Michigan because competition is going to go up substantially starting from game one. But I still expect him to make increased development. And he'll be able to run, too. This is uh, the last few years they didn't really have a mobile quarterback. This year, they they do. I'm not expecting him to be Taysom Hill, but I'm expecting him to be a better thrower yeah. than Taysom Hill. Yeah. So I have this kid slated for greatness. Maybe not right off the bat as a sophomore, but greatness, in my mind, at a Zach Wilson is definitely coming. So, he has to get help from those receivers. Yeah, yeah, they got to they got to make plays, man. Yeah. Receivers got to make plays. They got to catch some fifty-fifty balls, and then they got to break some tackles and turn a fifteen-yarder into a thirty and forty-five and fifty. It's too yarder. hard to march down the field four yards a time. It just it, it, something's going to go wrong game, somewhere along the way. In today's game, with the scouting and the sophistication of the defenses and the speeds that they have to face, particularly against this schedule, so we're running a little long. Let's wrap it up. So I'm going, if Utah gets 10, they've overachieved. If they get 9, they've underachieved. And I say they get 10. You say they get 9. Yeah, Utah State, if they do not get 9, they've underachieved. I'm going to go 9-3, and so I'm going to go overachieve. And And I'm going 8, underachieved. And then BYU, I am going 8-4 and for... Maybe I can't go overachieve. Maybe I'll go 9, overachieve. Seven or fewer underachieve. So you think they get nine? No. 
No way. No way. No freaking no way. No freaking way. He has no to almost I... swear going out <laughs> in our closing segment. No freaking way. There's no way BYU can get nine wins. That's what you're telling me. I say no way they will get nine. Maybe they can, but they well, won't. Yeah, but there's no difference. For our intents and purposes here, no, there isn't. Right. So you're saying I say I say seven or eight wins, eight at the most, eight at the most, eight at the freaking most. There it is. We've we've come up with a name that we think we can use in public. (laughs) We got shot down on the other one. (laughs) And those guys just aren't biblical enough. It's in the good book. Right. I spent many years at the monastery (laughs) in between college (laughs) and getting into the media business. Yes. And uh, do you have a favorite book of scripture, PK? I do. (laughs) Which Songs of Solomon? No. (laughs) That's a a R-rated Genesis. Because it starts with in the beginning. Well, in the beginning, God, my guy, he made man. In the big, so let's inning. have the let's have it's a the order. Term. I got it. I got it. I, I, I know wasn't what you sure mean. you're right. No, I and got it. I Moses got it. served in Pharaoh's court too. I, I, I mean, hey, a tennis player. I got what you're saying. I, I know about that. But he created man. So let's make sure we understand the natural order here. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> no, no, I don't see what you're well, saying. You're you're contrary to God, not what? me. That's your problem. <laughs> wait, you're, wait. You're gonna have to deal with it with your own pastor, not wait, me. Wait, wait. The word man. Can, that, that can stand for all of mankind. Yeah, that's the ward we live in today. <laughs> You're some kind of woman hater? What's the matter with I you? I love women, and women love me. <laughs> women will tell you I treat them appropriately. Oh, will they now? Yes, I know how to treat a woman. I don't know about you. <laughs> Uh, PK will be giving lessons later on if if you're interested in that. There you go. That's our podcast in contention. Thanks for listening. We will gather again and we will do this soon. Gordon, you want to sign off? Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. And PK, next time you better bring it because we're going to throw down. Okay. I look forward to beating you in a submission from an argument standpoint. That will be a lot of fun. Join us again. We'll be back soon. Thanks, guys. 